JT the Brick, Lincoln Kennedy, and Eric Allen get you ready for the second and third rounds of the NFL Draft, live from Raiders headquarters. Here we go, out of the gate, and welcome to Day 2 on Raider Nation Radio and all the, on all of the Raider platforms as we begin from the Raiders facility here in Henderson, Nevada, as we get you ready for the second and third round, along with Eric Allen and Lincoln Kennedy. I'm JT, and we have a monster show lined up for you We did the recap show, gentlemen, last night right after the draft, the first round. And now we have two goals today. We want to talk about the Leatherwood selection again, and then we want to preview what's available today, which I believe is one of the biggest days that I can recall in a long time, day two in Raider history. I really believe the Raiders have to come out of the gate, Lincoln, and have a big day today. But before we get to that, I thought you were tremendous last night with your analysis of the pick of Alex Leatherwood. You loved the pick. You thought this was the pick. You had him graded even higher than he was selected. After you slept on it last night, what'd you think? Totally excited. Totally excited for the main reason that this is a day one starter. They addressed a need, a blaring need, and they've got a good one. I had this young man evaluated as one of my premier tackles, I thought the Raiders weren't going to be able to get him because Penny Sewell was at number one. And on my board, I had Leatherwood, too, that I thought might the Chargers might take him. That's why when I did my draft evaluation, I went with Carmen out of Clemson and also drafted off the pedigree that this, this organization has been dealing with. Clemson, Ohio State, and Alabama consistently with their high draft choices over the last couple of years. So that's why I went with Carmen. But Leatherwood was my favorite. And when, he, when they got him, they didn't have to move up. I, that was what I was fearful. Once the Chargers chose Slater out of Northwestern, I said, we got our guy. We got our guy. And he's going to fall right to where you need. You don't need to move up to him. And there was one other team that, was to, that was, uh, wanted to jump up. And that's the actual team that, that made the call to the Raiders to talk to Mayock but did not give him an inviting enough deal right. to switch out. He's like, no, we don't need to fall back. And they got the guy. Now, all night – all night I dealt with fans. <laughs> oh my Welcome goodness, this is a reach. Why yeah. do we do? Oh my goodness. And I'm like, are are we missing the point here? I said, what do you want from the guy? Two-time national champion, Outland Trophy winner who's given to the best lineman in college football, unanimous All-American, has played at every position on the offensive line at some point or another, a consistent starter other than center. So it's versatility, aggression. And you know what, JT, when you watch the film, you turn on the film, this guy likes to play. He likes to play. And, oh, I, you know, just another little tidbit. The last time this coaching staff picked an offensive lineman with their first pick, who did it turn out to be? Uh, Colton Miller, 2018, and he's still the franchise tackle, and he's playing well. So I think, that, you know, Coach Cable, Coach Mayock and Gruden sort of have a little feel on how to get these guys a good, a good evaluation, but I adore this pick. You love this pick, and it's really important because the media doesn't. So that's part of our job. We're right. in the media. So the right. media doesn't like this pick at all. The media has some pushback. First off, why not trade back? Why not trade back because he would have been available from the 40s to the 50s or the 30s? You don't know that. We don't know that. Great point. So go get the player you want. Secondly, I thought that Mike Mayock said this last night, is that he was the number one player for Tom Cable in the class and the number one player on their entire board. And EA, I had a hard time with that, too, because I didn't think that Leatherwood would be the number one guy on the board considering all the defensive needs 
that the Raiders had. Address that. Well, for sure. And again, we talk uh, coming into this year's draft with so many needs defensively. And first of all, there's 13 guys in the room right now at defensive lineman. Okay, and we just got Yannick. Uh, we have uh, uh, Solomon, Solomon Thomas, uh, Darius Phylon, on and on and on, along with young Max Crosby and Cleveland Furrow. And last year, we saw Cleveland line up inside sometimes at defensive tackle. So that has been already addressed, the pass rush, uh, they believe, in this building. So that's important. So why go out and get a defensive lineman, rush guy, to bring into a building that's already a room is already full with 13 guys right. and, a, and a proven guy in the National Football League in Ngwakwe. He's proven. Yes. He's not a prospect. He's not a guy who's lining up against Michigan or LSU. No, he's a proven prospect, proven player who's going to be able to get you sacks and also an outstanding guy in the locker room talking about leadership. So, again, that's what that is. And then the best person on the board – not for the folks who have the measurable. We all have measurables, right? The fans, the great fans out there, people uh, like us, we have measurables. And we can see their 40. We can see their vertical. We can see what they do in the three-cone drill. But we're really not privy to those really intimate details of a football player and what makes him either good or bad off the football field, character issues, those things. We're not privy to that. We're not privy to the medical issues. We're not privy to all those things. So, again, when you start to evaluate a player and the best person on the board, it's the best person on the board to your organization and who you are as an organization and a football team and who you want to be. All right, guys, we have some sound from Mike Mayock, and I'd like you to address what he said last night. Last night, Mike Mayock talked about the right tackle position and how Leatherwood will start. Uh, he can play inside and outside, but he's going to start at right tackle for us day one, and uh, we're going to see if he can hold on to that job. All right, let's begin with that. Why take a right tackle who's not a right tackle? You broke this he, down his, and talked about it. Yeah. His versatility, explain his that. His versatility. Look, when he played in college, most people remember the last couple of years at left tackle. There was a need at left tackle. And this is a young man that wants to do whatever he can to be on the field because he loves to play football. He played a little at right guard. He started throughout his career. He was, he, by watching the film of his entire career, you saw that he was willing to go wherever he needed to go to play and help his team and was damn good at it. You see what I'm saying? And that's the versatility that Cable appreciates because Coach Cable, the offensive line coach, last year had to deal with a ton of injuries right. and had to move guys around. So I need guys who can not only play right tackle, might have to play right guard because our right guard went down and we've got two right tackles. You might might be able to have to play left guard because of incognito, however you want to look at it. You've got that versatility. And this young man, Alex Leatherwood, played every position on the line except for center. So you got two centers. You got you got you've got your starting right tackle, but if he struggles and he might need a little bit more time, you still can make a swing tackle and still bring that out of <clears> him. So you gotta appreciate that. And that's that that see, that's the thing that speaks volumes. Because everybody wants to talk about some of the other higher profile left tackles. And I think EA, you're gonna speak on this point in a moment, but the need was for a right tackle. And because this is a power running game behind Gruden's offense, when Trent Brown played, they ran right. 
They ran right. He wants to run right. He wants to run things like 46 power. So you believe because of his size, he can block out the sun and his skill set, that you line him up on the right, he's so overwhelmingly big. We're and running played, right now. We're running right now. Right now. Rookie, we're running right, right behind now. you. We're right, running right behind you. Because that's the exact same thing that Gruden said to me when I played for him. That, that's a great point. And, again, it's about who you are. What Coach Gruden feels comfortable with going into a season is being – a powerful running football team and having everything else come off of that. Okay, So when you're talking about Leatherwood, what did he grade out great at? Run blocking, zone run blocking. I mean, he graded out great at that, right? So when you look at his overall career at Alabama, he's getting pushback because of playing left tackle and you're going against the best pass rusher and he had issues with that, right? So he's a guy who's going to be flexible. But you're saying... If he's great at run blocking at what my team wants to do and then he struggles a little bit at pass blocking with faster guys, I have Alex who I can put at fullback and put him to his side and have him chip. I can run 12 personnel, two tight ends, one back, put my blocking tight end to help him out early in his career until we get all of those things figured out. But the thing we want to do is run the football. He's great at that. Right? Great out better than anybody else that we like. That's what you have to do. You have to take the positives. And I'll tell you a personal story. Back in 1988. Woo! Back in 1988. <laughs> back in the day. Right. Back in the day, Buddy Ryan is the best defensive coordinator uh, in football, right? Runs the 46 defense. When he was grading me out and other guys, I played a lot of safety my senior year because my other cornerbacks got hurt. So I was going to be the guy that was able to help out the entire defense. So if you had two marginal receivers, I'd play free safety, and I'd just roll over top and just pick balls off, right? Other teams grading me at cornerback saw that as a negative. Buddy Ryan, on the other hand, because the style of his defense, when he ran 46, sometimes he would have his corner roll to the half because the linebacker were cut underneath the outside receiver. So he saw value in a cornerback being able to play safety. So I went, I'm higher on Buddy's board because he knows I can play man-to-man because of the junior, of the sophomore season, but he saw the ability to be able to play safety and corner when I needed to. So the value for Buddy and the Eagles at that time were higher than anyone else. Here's Mike Mayock last night knowing that there'd be a little bit of pushback on this pick. Well, I mean, when we made the pick, we had the TVs on, and, and obviously, uh, I, I forget which group it was, but they were saying they could have had him in the second round and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so I understand that. The fan base is going to listen to that, and the fan base is going to question it. This is a very important point. Last night is the greatest made-for-television show other than a live game. True story. The Super Bowl. That's why Roger Goodell deserves credit moving it to primetime and just having one round. He knows every eyeball's there. Mike Mayock knew there was going to be pushback when he went to the microphone after the pick. So you're happy with everything you've heard. You love the pick, and especially for the fact that Mayock knew this was his guy going into the draft if he was available there. I'm excited for for all those reasons and more. But I also realize in the current climate and time that we live in, you can't project or you can't put out who you like. 
who you truly Absolutely. like. Absolutely. You cannot project your draft That board. was the Niners' whole story. That's the Niners, exactly right. everybody thought they loved Mac Brown, and mm-hmm. they had Trey Lance, and Kyle Shanahan said to everybody, we wanted to test our room to see if anybody would leak anything exactly. or what they would say, so they had that pick all along, and Great they played point. up to the media. Exactly. That, that's what you have to do. So, like, when we were talking yesterday, I described the Tom, Clan- Tom Clancy novel, yeah. how everything has to be clandestine. You can't put out. So, even when you sit there and look at all the pundits and the the mock drafts and everybody else, well, they should do this, they should do that. There is no way that you know, and we know from covering this game, that you can cover every player at every position and have knowledge on each body. That's right. All right, and then finally, I thought the most important soundbite from Mike Mayock last night when he talked about Tom Cable's evaluation. Tom Cable, our offensive line coach, I, in all honesty, you'd have to ask Tom, but uh, this might have been Tom's favorite player in this entire class. I mean, Coach Cable has been all over him for months now, since the first time he saw the tape. Coach Gruden loved this guy. Our scouts love this guy. And what I like is when the second floor in our building, which is all the coaches, and the third floor, which is all the scouts, when we're united on a conversation like Leatherwood, that makes me feel really good about the pick. I counted three loves. Right. Three of them. (laughs) Right. So this is important here. For every Raider fan who's questioning this pick, it's Tom Cable's pick. Right. Tom Cable's a former head coach arguably the best offensive line coach in the league. Right. And he's owning this pick. Right. And so is Gruden. Right. And so is Mayock and everyone in this building. So I think that Tom Cable's better at evaluating offensive line tape. And I didn't have this pick, right. nor did I think it should have been the pick. Right. As I said, but Cable did. Yeah. And he's the guy with Mayock and Gruden who made the pick. And I love that about him because he's got to get him to work on the right side and for him to be that road Well, grader. you need it. It's, it's a drafting for need, and, and I appreciate and I commend Coach Gruden and his staff for a number of reasons, but most importantly because it's a sense of familiarity. I hate to refer back to my playing days, but Gruden valued Bill Callahan's knowledge as far as offensive line play. And look at our history. When Gruden first came here, the first two years are going 8-8. Eight and eight. Then in 2000, hey, what did we do? We went 12-4. and four. And, oh, by the way, we were the number one rushing team in the league. Yep. Took a huge step forward. And during that time, we solidified the offensive line. We drafted Mo Collins. We got Barry Sims. We got all those guys to help play and put the pieces together. And look at the last time Tom Cable had his measure or threw his hat into the ring over an offensive lineman. It happened to be Colton Miller. And I've already said earlier where we are now. So he's got a pretty good track record on top of all the other things that he did. You see what I'm saying? I got you. We're brought to you by Modelo, brewed with the highest quality ingredients for a taste that's pure gold. Modelo, brewed for those with a fighting spirit. So he's coming in, and as I walked into the building today, and I'll tweet out the picture, it says, Welcome, Alex Leatherwood. This franchise is welcoming him. He's got to pop. He's got to be big. Again, I've never heard criticism before from a guy who won an Outland Trophy exactly. and two national championships and an All-American. And again, I got some pushback, and I said, this wasn't some bum from Fresno State. No disrespect oh, to Fresno State. Oh, no disrespect to the smaller conferences. He didn't play at Florida Atlantic. Right. But I understand what happens in media when we have six to seven weeks. And, and most of the six to seven weeks, we were talking about quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Okay, and the other big takeaway, and we'll get back to what the Raiders need to do with the next couple picks. I can't believe that Belichick didn't have to work to get Mac Jones. 
Are you kidding me? Like, no one made him work. He just sat there EA, like he had a safety net. He's and not going to play, J- He's not going to play, JT. He's yeah, not going to play. So he's not going to play. He's not going to play, JT. They're going to really find a way to try and get uh, Cam Newton in this offense to click for this year and maybe in a year or two. Uh, have Mac Jones basically compete with Stidham. Stidham's still on the – I mean, they Stidham was supposed to be the next Tom Brady. All right? So, again, this is going to be a situation where he's probably going to have some packages, and it's going to be a competition between him and Stidham and find out which one of those guys is going to be ready if – and I hope, you know, Cam is, is completely healthy, but if he has some issues injury-wise, one of these guys needs to step up. And, and in that, it's going to be a complete – offensive philosophy change, right? There's mm-hmm. no, you know, quarterback runs with Mac Jones or right. Stidham. And with, with Cam, of course, that's what he's done over the course of his careers is have those design runs. So, again, <laughs> he's not going to play. One more quarterback <laughs> question because I know a lot of the fans have an interest in this. Lincoln, you play a lot of chess. Yes. Not checkers. No. Tell me about blocking here Aaron Rodgers from Denver. That's the biggest topic today. I woke up and everybody, Mark Slareth, yeah. who you know well, said that he thought yesterday right. it was a done deal. Right. They were working on Aaron Rodgers to the Broncos. Yeah. That would be a really big topic around this place and around the <laughs> AFC West yes. if he lands there. Do you see another team being a blockade? Because when Peyton Manning ended up going to Denver, right. he had a neck surgery. He could have yeah. been paralyzed when he had it. Right. He went to two Super Bowls right. on the back end of his career. Yeah. Same age where Rodgers is now. How concerned are you? about Aaron Rodgers eventually ending up in Denver. I'm very concerned. Yeah. I don't want to see him in the AFC. I know what he's capable of. I don't want another quarterback in the AFC when you always already have to deal with the ones you have to deal with. You want to make – and especially in this division. Justin Herbert's coming along, had a tremendous rookie season. We know what we're getting out of Patrick Mahomes. Eventually, I said yesterday, Denver's going to figure it out and get it right. We do, and we've got a competition. It's already hard enough to get in the playoffs with the schedule you do play. If you have to go through war over your division constantly, that's making it even harder. That's putting you behind the eight ball. And you go back to those great teams that you played on out of the NFC East. How many years playing oh, against wow. Dallas, the Giants, Washington, did the Eagles have to – it's a toss-up. Who's going to come out? Right. You see what I'm saying? I don't – the reason I'm not afraid of it in the sense where, oh, I don't want it to happen. I just know by today's player standards, a lot of the players out there would cave under that type of pressure. Yeah, they really would. Well, I yeah, mean, I got to follow up with you on that because wow. Aaron Rodgers is going to go to the team he wants to go to. Okay, he's not leaving Green Bay to go to a lower team somewhere back east. It seems like he's going west for his career in the next stage. Business is now closed in San Francisco, which was supposed to be the landing spot, if anything, there, right? There's Jimmy Garoppolo, and now they got their quarterback. L.A. has two quarterbacks there in Stafford, and obviously Herbert. He's not going there. Denver seems to be one of the landing spots here. And we talked about it yesterday with the cap hit. It wouldn't happen until after June. We didn't see it in round one. Do you think there's a chance Rodgers goes back to Green Bay? Well, yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. And I, I think uh, the Green Bay Packers have to really understand, like, what they're dealing with. And, I, I, and after, you know, you get that uh, phone call or you get that message that he is really disgruntled and he doesn't uh, see himself coming back there, and then you draft a cornerback. I mean, that's just not kind of reaching the olive branch out and and my where I'm thinking and try and get him to kind of sit down and see you halfway. So again, I think he's going to be back. I think it's going to be very difficult for the Denver Broncos at this point uh, to offer anything to Green to the Green Bay Packers that they are willing to give away. You know, the top quarterback as far as physical attributes in the National Football League. I want to preface this statement by saying I am not anti-player. 
I am not anti-player. I want the players to have as many rights and for them to stand up for their rights. But I'd be damned if I give an NFL MVP his choice of where he wants to go if I'm a general manager. If I'm, if I'm the Green Bay Packers, you want out? Okay. I'm going to try to find you as far away from us. There's, the EA and I talked about this yesterday. No one in the NFC. I'm not, I don't care where you want to go. If you want out, I'm going to find it. And if you, want to, you don't want to waive your trade clause, no trade clause, then you're going to have to play with us or don't. Because I, but at the same point, going over to the AFC, you stop giving these guys what they want. James Harden quit on the Houston Rockets and says, I want to be a Brooklyn Net. Okay, we'll make you a Brooklyn Net. No. <laughs> Hell no. Hell no. <laughs> right. You don't want to play with me? Hey, I wish you all, I gave you everything in the world for it. And that NBA factor is starting to call, carry over to the NFL factor. Bam. You see what I'm saying? And the NFL, and look, the quarterbacks are the highest paid, most prolific. They should not be able to write their own ticket for where they want to go. You don't want to play with me? That's fine. Don't take a snap with me. When we come back, when we come back, we'll get into Eric Allen's next best player available as we jump into round two and round three. The Raiders have three picks coming up. It could be a monumental day and night in this building as the Raiders could still get out of here with two new starters. If the board hits, do the Raiders use one of those thirds to trade up into the second? We'll go over all of it as EA has the next best players available. We continue from the Raiders facility on Raider Nation Radio. Raiders draft special continues with JT the Brick, Lincoln Kennedy, and Eric Allen live from Raiders headquarters. Uh, I'm not like I'm not the type of dude to fall into like the media hype, mock drafts, and all that good stuff. Uh, so I just like did what I could do well. You know what I mean? Did the best I could do, and uh, trust the process, and <clears throat> it all went great. Welcome back. It is day two and we get ready for the second and third round. We're live from the Raiders facility here in Henderson, Nevada, as the war room is not too far from us. We just heard Alex Leatherwood again, Lincoln, and you talked about how he loves football. He's thrilled to be here. He has a chip on his shoulder. Seems like the type of players the Raiders really want in this building, in this program. Coach Cable, a couple years ago, I remember him, we were talking, this is pre-COVID. He said, "There's there's a good tackle that you might want to take a look at. Because we always talk offensive line when we're able to catch up with one another. It wasn't last year, it was COVID. But he had told me about this young man. And he had said, he said, go and watch the young kid out of Alabama called Leatherwood. Now, I had not heard of him at that point. But I started watching him and I started tracing him. You know, the thing is, a lot of people don't know, we said two national championships. So you remember the, the national championship game that Tua came in mm-hmm. and replaced? Well, the, the, the tackle that they had, um, oh, come on, Jonah Williams was injured at halftime. As a true freshman, Alex Leatherwood went in there and played tackle in replacement of Jonah Williams. And in the second half, Alabama rushed for 277 yards and 142 yards uh, in, through the air and outgained Georgia, 20, uh, outgained them 26 to 10 in the second half. Now, Tua gets all the credit. Right. This is what I'm talking about offensive line play. You know, there are little tidbits that the general fan, the common fans don't know about. And you can't necessarily put it out there. I'm culprit as well because when they put it on a radar, a radar, I'm thinking about who the Raiders. You know, of course, it's my job and being an analyst for this team. It's my job to say, okay, who who do they like and who are they likely to get? 
That's how I, I, I match my logic, okay? I love this guy, but he's probably not going to be around because he's a darn good one. But the intangibles that don't go to the public is that he's lived on the West Coast all his entire life. Yeah, look, I have no problem. <laughs> you know, that's a West Coast guy. I have no problem with everybody saying, no problem with everybody saying that the Raiders reach for him. Right. I have no problem. Right. That's what the media, that is what the media is saying today. We cannot change that. But what I will say is, and we saw that again with Arnett, they didn't believe that Arnett would be there right. because they didn't have a second-round pick. They thought Leatherwood would be gone. And if he wasn't the best player on their board, and for Mayock to say he was the best player offense and defense, now I get it. They wanted him. Now, would they have rather have had him at 28, 31? Of course. They got their guy because that's where their pick was, and they'll be scrutinized for that. Now, Eric, we go to you with best available players here What's interesting to me today is that the Raiders have two third-round picks. They have the ability to move up. Yep. If they choose not to move up, they're going to miss out on a couple of players who are probably going to go early in the second round. Just give me your big picture on the defense today. Well, again, defense, and we talked about this, and we've been echoing this, and, and I thought they really had to address a couple spots in free agency or the draft. And defensive line pressure uh, was key because once you get pressure on the quarterback – it allows every other unit, linebackers, secondary, to play at a little higher level. You don't have the pressure as a corner if that quarterback doesn't have four or five seconds to throw the ball to have to cover for that long. So you have to address D-line. You have to be able to get someone you feel confident and comfortable that I'm going to sign you or draft you, and you're going to be an immediate impact. I thought they really did that in free agency with the defensive line. So now we're talking about linebackers and secondary. Where do we need to go? Two years ago and last year, we spent a lot of capital bringing in linebackers. Corey Littleton, Nick Kwiatkowski, uh, Morrow, who I really I really like, and you know yeah. that, JT. So, again, we have a room. And then uh, last year, Tanner Muse hadn't played. So he's going to get an opportunity to compete. So that brings me to the defensive backfield. We have two young cornerbacks. And I think when you start to talk about cornerback play, it has to be a situation where they fit your system. We have a new system right now. We're not running a lot of cover yeah. two anymore. We're not allowing, uh, we're not having uh, our cornerbacks pretty much impressed for the most part. So we're going to have three deep type of post safety. You're going to have a safety in the middle of the football field who is going to play like Derwin James, like Anthony Harris, uh, like Mika Fitzpatrick. You're going to have a guy. We already have that guy. Uh, so you have to look for a post safety. And so the post safety, he's still there. Trayvon Moore out of TCU, he is still there. Andre Sisco out of Syracuse, he has some medicals, mm -hmm. but he's still there. He jumps off the chart as far as measurables, can run. He has great size, great speed, but he's coming off an ACL and back injury. So I'm not sure if that's where you want to go if you want someone to step in uh, like immediately. So that leaves us Richie Grant, that leaves us right. uh, Javon from Oregon, who is a tremendous athlete, tremendous player. When you pop on his film, it, he really stands out. But Holland at Oregon played a lot of slot coverage. He's not a typical post-safety. So, again, that brings you back to Trayvon and Richie. Those two guys are guys who can come in help you develop that secondary with that post safety. So now what you say is best on the board, evaluation. Who, what teams are ahead of you that need a safety? And so you go to the Atlanta Falcons, the Dallas Cowboys, and the, 
and and uh, the Cleveland Browns. Okay. So Cleveland's behind you. So you have two teams ahead of you who need a safety, a post safety in particular. And so that's kind of what you're doing in your room right now. You know the number one guy is still there and Trayvon. So if you start to hear one of those teams ahead of you, Atlanta, is trying to get him, that's when you kind of package that third round. Morig will not be there at that's the sixth, 16th pick. So I'm, I'm pressing if, you on this. Do you trade up and get him? If you – if I would. You would. Because yeah. Richie is a phenomenal player, but he's a lot like Jonathan, who we already have. And so you want to be able to really define the roles. And that way, Gus's defense has more of a pop when your roles are defined. Lincoln Kennedy, I want to ask more about the edge rushers because there's several edge rushers. You know, there were seven players that dropped out of the first round. Everyone yes. talks about Mel Kuyper. He had seven. And by the way, my son, as we talked about, had more <laughs> correct picks than Mel. Seven <laughs> players dropped out of the first round who are now in the second round. Projections, mock draft guys. It comes to edge rushers again. There's a bunch of them. And Lincoln, as a former tackle, I want your opinion on what the Raiders have. They have Mad Max, Cleland, who you like on the inside. They brought in a great – and Gokway on the outside. Solomon Thomas. But what about one of these hybrid linebackers that can line up on the edge or at least come off the edge – and play and cover a tight end. Isn't that what this team has been looking for? We were supposed to have that in Littleton. Hopefully we get it out of them this year. But there's a few of those players available in the second round. Well, I'll, I'll take you back for a moment. And, and actually, let me just back up real quick before I address that. I misspoke earlier. I said he, uh, that um, Leatherwood lived on the West Coast. His, no, he lived on the East Coast his entire life, but he wants to travel. So that's why the West Coast thing came up. I just wanted to clarify that because I know how I'll probably be battered over Twitter. <laughs> oh, that's not right. That's not bad. Here's the way I look at it. I'm a big man who likes to eat. So I take the season as a full meal. If I left unsatisfied, didn't fill my palate, I go into the offseason and say, okay, what do I need to get over the top? So we, as that time as digests from the end of the season, whenever it ends for a team, after the Super Bowl is over and everybody's celebrating whatever, we're looking to the next season. What does a team go shopping? What does a guy go shopping for, for to plan my next meal, my next season? Free agency addressed that. The Raiders went out in free agency and were aggressive from day one to, uh, to uh, adjust the need of defensive rush, pass rush, mm-hmm. defensive tackle, defensive ends. Now, the EA said earlier, they got 13 guys on the roster in that room. Don't need to go drafting one, to be honest with you. And now, look, it's not an overwhelming need because you've already addressed that. So okay. you went shopping for that particular that particular plate. Now you want to move on. And what you don't do, what they didn't do or couldn't do as aggressively as they wanted, is they didn't have that offensive line overhaul. They got rid of more players than they brought in. You see what I'm saying? And they addressed that need with the first pick of the draft. Now, this is day two. They've got three picks today. They can go at other places like EA mentioned. Not necessarily a linebacker, but you could add some depth to the position. Mm-hmm. But you're still waiting for guys to take off, so you give them a little, give them a little bit. Maybe in secondary to create the depth. We know how the how poorly fed we were last year with the overall injuries and everything else, the lack of production in the secondary. I put it more on scheme than I do lack of production because there were a lot of play, players who were out of place. So that's somewhere that is addressed a need and just creating overall depth. You don't need to have a. And I'm saying that to say this. Somebody said, well, maybe we'll have a long run of offensive linemen. No, 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 no. What we've seen them do so far with the one pick addressed a blaring need. Yeah. Go back on the second day and address the needs. Don't need to go crazy and get six wide receivers like we did last year all in one time. 
but you uh, you addressed the need. The locker room, the uh, depth, receiver depth was devoid of talent, so you addressed it. What we saw last year with this team on defense, especially in the secondary, all the big plays, Eric Allen, they gave up. Countless big plays down the middle of the field, on the sideline, because either linebackers couldn't run with tight ends or they weren't lined up correctly. We handled that. We talked about it every postgame show. Right. Or the fact that there was no one lined up in center field. They need a center fielder. I can't envision any scenario, any scenario today that with the two picks they have, the three picks total that they have, and what they have for their next pick, that they don't get a center fielder. That's right. And a free safety. So That's there's right. five available. Mooring is the best. I think he's gone. I think Jacksonville can take him right out of the gate. Or Barmore, who could go at the Alabama defensive tackle. And then you look at Javon Holland, Jamar Johnson out of Indiana, Cisco mm-hmm. out of Syracuse. If you get one of those guys and they fall to you, but remember what happened yesterday. All of a sudden, all the right tackles were available. Right. And yeah. Darashaw's dropping. And I'm going, oh, my God, we're not going to get Parsons. Okay, but no one's picking Darashaw. And right. Darashaw's there. Darashaw's there. Gone. Raiders didn't take him. Now I'm looking at these safeties. Yeah. they got to yeah. grab one of these safeties. They yeah. have got to plug this hole up and have someone who's going to come in and compete at that position. They have to, JT. And I think we all will agree it's all about your evaluation. But more importantly, sometimes it's out of your hands because those teams that are above you – need that position also. Yeah. So that's where you're in the room working the phones, trying to figure out, okay, how far am I from Trayvon Morg and Richie Grant? I mean, what 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 is the the difference between the two and how he's going to apply to my program, to my defense, not to the board, not to, you know, and again, Mel's great, but you're not worried about Mel's board. Okay? You're not worried about trying to get guys off Mel's board. You're trying to figure out how – this number two pick can come in and be an impact player, right. can be the type of player that you say in five or six years, man, that is a spot that is nailed down. We do not have to worry about this spot. We can worry about other things. That's extremely important to be able to get out of here today with that in mind. One thing that I've noticed about today's game that I didn't notice, say, 10, 12 years ago or pay as much attention to is that to me, versatility is overlooked in a lot of ways. Arden Key was an edge rusher, but that's all he could do. Right. He wasn't strong against the run. So if he, and, and we just had, there was a failed experiment. You, you tried with third round pick. There was all this praise, all this promise. I know Chuck Smith, who, who I played with at Atlanta, was trying, was training him, came up to me and said, oh, you got a good one. You got a good one. It never happened. That happens all the time. It's, 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 it's it, I mean, it's a gamble whether or not these players are going to play out on the next level, no matter what they did in college. We all understand that. But what I've noticed that the Raiders are trying to avoid is having specialist players. Because here's the thing. Here's the way offense is combated. When Trace Armstrong used to come and play in the games in Miami, we knew they were in nickel. We ran against a nickel. When they had other defensive women, defensive tackles or big, big guys that they put on to stop the run, we threw the ball. Offenses are doing that. You've got quarterbacks now with pre-snap reads that look out and say, okay, how many do you have in the box? Oh, that's a nickel cover corner. You've got one linebacker and four offensive linemen, four defensive linemen. We're running the football. Run at them. Run at them. Yeah. And especially with a lot of the undersized linebackers that we have. You know, you mentioned Littleton, who never who didn't really take off in the way he did, played at the Rams, but he was a great cover guy. And side to sideline, what he did against the run support, he had block eaters in front of him. 
Yeah, he did. He you had see what that I'm with saying? the Rams. Oh no, he had him. <laughs> he had a guy named Aaron Donald <laughs> right. right in front of him. So, yeah. so that the took guy. the pressure off. Of the, and it, we didn't have that here. We had flashes at defensive tackle or, or inside. You had flashes out of the defensive line. But those linebackers, our run game compared to others' run games, we couldn't get our running backs to the second level with the, how, how porous our offensive line was playing. And our defense, the second level, up first and second level, were being blocked. Great analysis. J- You're right about JT, that. JT, you've been around football as long as anybody, right? You understand what's going on. And it's about a player – a team being able to adjust to adjustments. That, that's what it's about. I cannot allow a receiver to beat me if he can only one run route. Okay, I, I'd line up against Joy Gallagher. Joy Gallagher around a 4-2-40, right? I'd line up 10 yards off and make right. him run another, run another route. He couldn't do it. So I'm going to win that battle. It doesn't matter how fast you are in that situation. It's about adjustments. And if you have someone who's versatile, someone who can adapt to situations quickly, and I'm not saying he's not going to get, you're not going to get beat, right. but don't get beat twice. But and yeah, that's what we saw last year. Right. Over and over again. Over and over, over again. And over again. <laughs> so it has a lot to do with development, coaching, and scheme. And I think those things defensively have to be addressed mm-hmm. this year. I agree. We're brought to you by Modelo, brewed with the highest quality ingredients for a taste that's pure gold. Modelo, brewed for those with the fighting spirit. You know, we've been blessed around here to see some of the greatest defensive players of all time. God bless Willie Brown. Spent a lot of time with Willie Brown and Phil Villapiano, who's in town this weekend. Phil Villapiano wasn't drafted to be a Hall of Famer. But he played at a level like that because he had great teammates in front of him. And he was the ultimate teammate, and he always played great on game day. And what I'd like to see coming into this building is I'd like to see someone who can come in this building and not be told, well, you can only play in one scheme. Yes. Do what Willie Brown did. Bump and run or lay off like EA did and give a guy 10 yards and then close on him and intercept the pass. You made a great point. No more specialty players. Get football players. And I'm looking at the next... 12, 15 players available. There's a couple of linebackers, edge rushers, and safeties that they just got to get. Yeah. And they got to find – it's not our job to tell them to go trade up. Right. It's our job to talk about what we feel the fans are talking about, what everybody out there, what other analysts are thinking. The job today of Mike Mayock and John Gruden is to find a way to get the best player available, not wait for the best player available and have them get jumped that way. And what's so amazing is it was the exact opposite in round one. They didn't wait for Leatherwood. Right. They didn't move back. They right. said, that's our guy. We're going to get him now. The hell with what everybody says. Mel Kuyper, pro football focus. We judge this player to be the best player for our system. Now it's day two, Lincoln. Mm-hmm. It's different than day one. Right. I think you got to be much more aggressive in the second and third round. Well, and, 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 it's, and going back because I'm a big history buff, and day two, they, they found great picks. Day three, they found great picks. Mayock has had great success. You can sit there and look at uh, you can look at Max Crosby. No one expected Max, Max Crosby, to have, Crosby to have the rookie year that he had. Now, the second year, because he had such a tremendous rookie year, guys, you saw you saw double team. You saw chippers. You said, okay, pay attention to that guy because he can cause a havoc, just like he did in his rookie year. So now you've got now Max has got to adjust his game. He said it himself. Many times, like, look, they're playing me different, so i got to adjust my game. And he's also going to need help. And I'm one of these guys that has said, look, if they're doubling him, somebody has one-on-one, they have to win. You have to win. And just like EA said, part of my sort of my, my Bible to play is that you never get beat by the same move twice. That was one that held dear to my heart. 
I'll give. They get paid too. I'm not saying I'm the best. I'm never going to get beat. But I'm not in the same game. You're not going to beat by the same move twice. Because I'm going to learn. I'm going to yeah. absorb. You see what I'm saying? You that's a professional. That's and a that, professional. That's exactly right. And that's what. When we talk about character, when we talk about those things that are not measurable, those are the things that have to really pop off in those interviews that we're not privy to. We're not privy to the interviews. We're talking about, hey, I broke down some film and I saw you got beat by XY player. What did you do afterwards? Well, here's what I had to do. Well, the next game I had a similar situation and here's how I addressed that. Those are the kind of questions you're being asked in your one-on-one interviews. They couldn't. Do it face to face, but believe me, over Zoom, they're giving, they're breaking down your film, and they're coming to you with the positives and the negatives, JT, in these interviews. And everyone, if you're drafted in the first three or four rounds, those are the questions you have to answer. And when you answer those questions correctly, that's when those coaches fall in love with you because you've answered it and you said, you know what, I had an issue and I had a problem. I fixed it, and I showed it. Those are the three things that I try and live by. And one little caveat I want to add, the difference between today's game and some of the years past is because of the rules, and and this is pre-COVID, the lack of the ability because of time constraints of the CBA of a player actually to development. If you as a professional football player, JT, came to me and said, Coach Lincoln, I want to be better. Can you work with me? I have to tape everything because that's what by union standards, and more importantly, I only have a limited amount of time for you, and this is your job. Now I say that again. I'm I'm not I'm I'm pro player and not anti player anymore. But I say that for a young man, if you don't get this gamble right from the start, and it flares out, coaches are fired, players are released, whatever it is, however it comes down. There's someone who's going to roll, and it's even harder by today's standard because, as Mayock said, look, you only get but by, by five times, and you can't. This is via Zoom. It's tough. It's tough to get. It's tough to get. It's tough to meet with players. When we come back, we'll wrap it up and we'll talk about what happened yesterday for Derek Carr, the help that Carr has, the gift that he gets up front with the offensive line, and how that can benefit DC going forward. And who's left? What do the Raiders do? We talked about the second round, the third round with two picks. Do they package that and move up, or are there more Alabama and Clemson players still on the board that could fit this team? We're live from the Raiders facility. It's the Raiders' day two draft preview. The Raiders' draft special continues with JT the Brick, Lincoln Kennedy, and Eric Allen, live from Raiders headquarters. Uh, I feel like as far as the skills I bring, I feel like I bring a a great skill set um, a great skill set, you know what I mean? I got all the intangibles, great, great length, great speed, great, great uh, athleticism, all that good stuff. But as far as a position, uh, we haven't talked about it yet. And to be honest, it doesn't matter. Uh, I'm just happy and excited to be a Raider. And uh, I'm going to be the best at whatever position I play. That is Alex Leatherwood. And I'll tell you, he said everything right. Alex Leatherwood said everything right, the right way, because he's played That's such a big program, Eric Allen. Lincoln Kennedy just went downstairs to interview him as he just got into the building, so we're excited about that. You'll be able to hear that interview with Lincoln exclusively at Raiders.com and on all the platforms. It's important for someone that comes in as a leader at Alabama. It reminds me a lot of Cleveland Farrell, who's got a lot of upside left. Cleveland's coming into his third year, and this is when he's supposed to pop if he didn't pop already. And now with Alex coming in, the leadership from Alabama, along with Cleve from Clemson, along with Renfro, Josh at Alabama, Ruggs at Alabama, this has got to work. 
They, they yeah. decided to go down that road. Let's go Alabama and Clemson for a reason, and that reasoning's got to have to pay off in this building. It does, JT, and we've talked about this before, me and you, on our pregame, postgame, and character has to matter somewhere. And not only are these guys incredible players, well-decorated at big programs, but they're leaders in their football team. They're guys who've graduated, guys who understand what it takes to be successful on and off the football field. And that really is important because in this day's game, it's about availability, whether that is injury, whether it's off-field issues. You don't have to deal with those things, yeah. right? JT, you, you want to be able to walk into the building and understand that these guys are going to be accountable for themselves and have proven that over the course of their college career. So all those things are, are, are positive. They're not negative. Uh, and, again, getting a lot of pushback because it's not sexy. I'm not sure what sexy is. I know I sit next to Link, and Link's pretty sexy. You know, he's a big guy. Big guy. But, but again, it's what you do uh, with what you've been given. And these guys have had uh, to battle. These guys have had to compete at Alabama, at Clemson. They have the best of the best in, in all of uh, college football, and they've rose to the top. I've said this about Coach Gruden. He's so accountable. Even his critics – Every game after that on the post game, we throw down to his interview. And before he even comes back to us and we open up the phones, Gruden will tell you what he did wrong. He takes all the heat away from his players. I didn't do this right. I, I got to be better in red zone. So I want to wrap this up by talking about Derek and what's going to happen with Derek going forward. Because I saw a video on his site on YouTube. He was out in the park yesterday with 11, 12 guys. They're all running routes. They're open. He looks fit. He's in incredible shape. They got him another offensive lineman. They want to protect him. They got him an extra running back in the offseason in Drake. The offense, do you feel, is pretty much loaded because I don't expect to see a slot receiver in the fourth round. I don't expect to see this. I expect to get Gus Bradley some secondary weapons over the next three or four picks. So Gus has the ability with all the defensive tackles and what they got in the offseason to really concentrate on the secondary. I, I really do. I think the focus is on defensive help right now. When you look at the offense, we have one of the best tight ends in all of football. We have a young receiver core uh, that has all the potential uh, to really pop. But most importantly, we have protection for Derek Carr to really have that running game popping, and then he can really continue to ascend being a better quarterback with the ability to dominate and run the football on the offensive line. I think that's what this is really about, JT. This is really about having the ability to have him be able to take over football games and be able to have the, the patience right. from an outstanding offensive line to continue to trend up. He's, he's, last year, we understood, like in the beginning of the season, play, he outplayed a lot of quarterbacks we saw in this building, JT. I mean, he played terrific football. And then when the injuries started to happen in the offensive line and the breakdowns defensively, we lost a lot of leads. We weren't able to, to really capitalize on some things. But Derek Carr is a positive for this offense. Derek Carr, leadership-wise, as you mm -hmm. saw, out throwing seven-on-seven seven at some park. I mean, usually that kind of uh, quarterback gets pub. For some reason, we don't see – if Tom Brady's out throwing seven-on-seven, seven, all the cameras are there. We just don't see that with Derek. And, again, I go back to thinking Derek Carr has just this quiet leadership potential about him, and I think it reverberates in this locker room. Well, one of the things you talk about a lot is you got to get him the ball back more on defense. Yes. That's been a hot button ever <laughs> since you came back with the organization and doing all the media you're doing is – 
Get him the ball. Get a ball hawk. Get someone to get him the ball. Jump around. Give Derek the ball back at the 25 so he's right outside the red zone again. And I think that's got to be the goal tonight. They've got to get a ball hawk, someone who's got film of making plays. And I hope it's a linebacker, edge rusher. I was hoping for Parsons yesterday. (laughs) You were. You were. I I, I I can't believe you went to the Cowboys. (laughs) But I think today – I think it could be interesting today. I'm not going to go out on a limb and say they 100% trade up mm-hmm. to get that player, but I think they're going to be more aggressive today. Has to be impact guy who's getting the ball, JT. we got to be jumping up because he's got a pick or a, or a sack fumble or something. Enjoy your weekend. You too, my man. You're going to have a lot of work out here. Love I'm you, JT. Bro. That's Eric Allen. Lincoln Kennedy was fantastic. want to thank everybody in the other room here who do all the work behind the scenes here at Silver and Black Productions. They were fantastic. We love this new studio and the opportunity to bring you these streaming videos, these live press conferences and coaches' interviews, what we do here on the radio on Raider Nation Radio. Thanks to Bobby back in the building at Lotus and all of our partners, including Modelo, who's a big part of this show. Have a great weekend, Raider Nation. We'll be on tonight doing this again at 9 p.m. Pacific. You can follow it all on Raider Nation Radio and Raiders.com. Have a great weekend.